Welcome to your Breakthrough Blueprint. I'm your host, Becky Oste, a wife, mom, and trauma-informed marriage coach. After a decade of trying all the mainstream modalities of healing to save my marriage, I found myself two kids later separated and on the verge of divorce. That's when I stumbled upon the unconventional game changer of somatic work that not only resurrected my dying marriage, but bled into breakthroughs in my parenting, purpose, spirituality, health, wealth, business, and more in just six months. My intention with this podcast is simple. Through every weekly episode, my goal for you is that one, you realize how insanely collective our struggles are, that you're not even close to alone. Two, that you can laugh a little because God knows we need it. And three, that you walk away with actionable advice on how to design your unique blueprint for your breakthrough life. So get your earbuds in, grab your coffee so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. I find it really interesting, the timing of the topic on this episode today, because this episode, I actually had to push back, I think three times just for different reasons. And I, in the back of my mind, when I was pushing it back every time, I was like, I wonder what week this episode is meant to air. And I just find it ironic because this has been just a topic that's really heavy on my heart this week, especially in light of what's going on in the world right now and all of the suffering that's happening that I know is happening every day anyway. But this week, these past two weeks in particular, it's just been very visible. The suffering's always been going on, but it's been a lot of it is invisible to us. But what is happening in other parts of the world, we're seeing it if we've turned on the news or if we've scrolled anything oriented towards that. And and mothers especially have been on my heart, the mothers who are going through suffering. And I, you know, I think it was last week, I was scrolling Instagram and I saw footage that I wish I could have unseen. Like it It was footage of what's happening right now um, to children. And it was just, I ran literally outside onto my back deck and I just started crying and crying out to God and yelling at God and well, not really loudly. So my neighbors could hear, but I was just releasing what I had just witnessed and feeling so many mixed emotions of almost gratitude for being in a place that I know is privileged where I'm coming from right now. It's a place of privilege. I am safe. My babies are safe. I don't take that for granted, but I almost couldn't feel gratitude. It was like on the tipping point of gratitude, just more wow, relief. And I can't believe that my reality is safety at the moment. And thank you, God. But at the same time, just seeing what other moms are going through right now um, with their babies and their children, it felt really unfair. And I just felt like guilty for having this privilege. And I felt like I don't even deserve to be grateful because so much just suffering, just so much senseless evil is happening in other parts of the world. And mothers are going through things I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy right now. And so I say all of that just to recognize it before getting into this topic of my own journey through motherhood. I'm going to share about my own trauma and triumphs and 
part of me was like hesitant to even speak on this because it feels like just so dumb to be complaining about my struggles in this area compared to what other parents have gone through. And at the same time, I believe in speaking anyway and in sharing anyway, because the whole point of what fuels my motivation to hold this podcast, to do the work that I do, to work with the women on the level that I do in the world is because I really do believe when we step into deeper consciousness and heal our trauma, move it out of our body, allow our ego to die and step deeper into our intuition, our human connection, collective connection as humanity. This is where we do less harm to ourselves and to others. And what is happening in the world right now is a whole lot of senseless harm that is hard to stomach. It's hard to th fathom. And I just wanted to recognize all of that before diving in. At the same time, I will dive in because uh, I believe that there is a way that this world can heal. And it really just starts with the individual taking responsibility and ownership to not operate out of ego, but operate out of truth and authenticity and love. And if we in this topic of motherhood can learn how to hold and embody that in ourselves as mothers or fathers, if you're listening, then we have a lot of hope to really sink our teeth into and our being into for the next generation, the good that we can do with our little drop of the bucket, just the babies that we've been given these precious souls to care for. So all of that to say with my story, I honestly never actually dreamed of being a mom. Like I knew it would happen one day. I That's where I pictured my life going, but it wasn't something I'd fantasize over. And for a long time, I felt a lot of shame over that. I would say I more fantasized and dreamed about marriage. I would play out the wedding day and just like all of these romantic excursions and moments with my one day husband, but never really did that with parenting. And I know some friends of mine, it was the opposite. They're like, yeah, I knew I'd get married one day, but it was being a mother was my heartbeat, my life, you know, purpose, like you just dream of it from the time I was a little girl. So when I think about motherhood, it just holds so much complexity and tenderness and sacredness and struggle. And the word alone just sends my mind to all the women who for generations have longed to be a mother, but haven't been able to conceive. I think about the mothers who have lost their babies. I think about the 259 babies miraculously being born every minute worldwide. I see in my mind when I hear the word mom, a mixture of single moms and widowed moms and abused moms and supported moms and the isolated moms, they all flash before my mind just when that word is dropped. So I know I love my babies so much, like love them so much. It hurts. You know what I mean? And sometimes I just think about them and flash their life before my eyes. And I feel my chest getting warm with this swelling energy of, I don't know what, but before you know it, I am crying and just feeling like so much magic, like just 
ooey gooey feelings flush through my system. And then my son like looks over at me like, mom, what the F is going on? I'm like, I just love you. I have also been so mad to the point where I literally want to hurt them. We went to Disney with the kids this past summer and Anna, there's this one point where she hid behind a vending machine when we were on our way out to the pool. And we started calling after her, looking for her, panicking, freaking out. Me, my husband, and my son all split ways. My son ran down the hallway to look for her. My husband ran downstairs and I tried to get into the elevator to see maybe she hopped in the elevator and we lost her for probably three minutes. And it felt like three centuries. And Ollie was the one that found her hiding behind a vending machine, giggling, playing hide and seek, basically, as we're like, I was having a total trauma response, you know, and when we found her, I wanted to hurt her for scaring the hell out of me. And at the same time, cry tears of gratitude that we found her all in the same split second. Motherhood can feel so messy and complex. There's so many conflicting secret moments of motherhood that are so confusing and hard to talk about. And one, I'm going to talk about three different moments that are hard and confusing to talk about here today. And the first I'll start with is disconnection. I'm going to start early and then go later here. I wasn't the type when I was pregnant. I wasn't the mom like talking to my belly. When Ollie, my first was born. It was kind of scary, actually. I remember feeling emotionally numb at first when he came out and then just relieved AF. (laughs) Like that boy was nine pounds, 13 ounces. And I was just relieved. I was like, oh my God. But it wasn't until he started making little sounds, you know, he's like, "Ah, like these little cooing sounds that I felt my heart begin to melt and connect. That was the first connection that I really felt with him. And I felt shame for a while that I didn't feel it in the womb or like right at the moment of him being laid on my chest. And I think this is important to talk about because not all mothers have this beautiful Cinderella birth story. It's amazing if they do. I love hearing those stories, but I've also had so many friends feel such a severed sense of connection when the birth story conversations get going and maybe they had a traumatic labor or emergency C-section or miscarriage or stillbirth and you know they're on year 10 of desperately trying to conceive and losing faith in God with every additional prayer seemingly ignored by the universe, the topic of birth and labor can just be very triggering for a lot of people. Then there's the disconnection between us and our grown kids. I'm a marriage coach, but our role as a mother comes up so much because like, how can it not? It's a core piece of us. It's the client whose son is struggling with suicidal thoughts that comes to mind right now, or my client who has a son who's gay and not comfortable opening up to his mom and that hurts her heart. And then the one whose child is navigating gender dysphoria and her heart is breaking as she's doing everything in her power to understand her baby's experience in this very harsh and discriminatory world. The truth is every single mother is going to feel disconnected from their children at some point or another. And that's really hard, especially for the women who have deep abandonment wounds or whose way of relating tends to lean towards the quote unquote anxious attachment style 
which is just fear of disconnection, fear of conflict, fear of abandonment. And so leads to a lot of clinging behavior, controlling behavior, raising my hand over here. That's been me typically. So anxious attachment style just means disconnection freaks you the F out. But the good news is the one thing I know about trauma and disconnection is that as long as there's still breath in your lungs, there's time to repair. You know, I'm recording this from my friend slash co-coach Julie's home. Um, We decided to work from home together today and I'm in her office and I just think of her. She, you know, had this realization when she started my program, I do breakthrough where, oh my gosh, she has missed so many opportunities for connection and her boys are now like in their late teens, early twenties. And she felt like, how do I fix this and make up for all of this time where I was just in the survival response or trauma response and wouldn't be able to get on my knees and play with my kids or just didn't connect with them the way that I'm now coming out of this two decade long fog of trauma and wanting to connect, but is it too late? And I remember the first time she posted this victory in our client chat channel where she was like, guys, I had a conversation with my sons and I basically just shared with them this realization and just apologized and felt so much guilt. And you know what the response was? The response was, well, mom, let's play now. old teens and like early 20s. And she's like, yeah, they said, let's play. So they literally got into this new tradition where they like build Legos together, you know, the harder ones, obviously for adults. And they're drinking whiskey together and just like repairing and bonding. And it just goes to show it's as long as there's still breath in our lungs, there's still time to repair. So disconnection is a, a really tough one for, I think, a lot of moms to talk about. The second thing that is really hard I noticed for us to talk about as moms is the monster mom moments. This might be the hardest, maybe besides postpartum depression and psychosis, but I'll save that for another episode. But the monster mom moments are one of the hardest things I see moms being able to speak about without sliding into a massive shame storm. But it's something every mom I've ever gotten real with has admitted. It's these moments we've just epically blown it and seen a side of ourselves we didn't even know existed. Guys, just to be real, there's been times I've gotten so triggered and so frustrated that it really hurts me to remember the times I've acted in a way that left both my child and I in disbelief that mama was capable of getting that elevated and that angry. And it's something that makes me feel so emotionally naked to talk about and exposed still as I'm working through so much of this deeply ingrained mom guilt that I know so many of us understand. So this is where my self-loathing and self-punishment and self-hatred can have a freaking field day if I didn't know how to dissolve shame and embody radical self-acceptance and self-compassion the way that I've learned these past two years. It's what we call in my client community that second arrow of shame, where it's this Buddhist teaching where the first arrow that hits us is the collective human suffering that we all experience, anger, jealousy, frustration, grief. And then the second arrow is what we shoot ourselves with. We come right around and shoot ourselves with that second arrow of shame, which says, not only am I suffering, 
but now I am shaming myself for suffering or something is wrong with me because I'm suffering. So in motherhood, it's like we all have this collective anger, frustration, triggers, but then we come around and shoot ourselves with that second arrow of like, I'm the worst mom in the world, or I suck because I'm having these struggles. And what it does is it keeps us caught and entrenched, perpetuating the generational trauma patterns and way of behaving that we're trying so hard to avoid in the first place. Recently, this was probably my biggest monster mom moment to date. And it's not something from like years past, guys. This was recent. This was after years of healing and nervous system regulation and all the breakthroughs and transformations that I've had over these past few years. And one of my worst mom moments was last month when <laughs> my daughter's four and you might understand the like the battle of her asking me to do something and then me doing it and then her feeling like I did it the wrong way or it wasn't, you know, to her expectations. I don't even remember what started it, but it led to this massive like tantrum and she got dysregulated. She ran upstairs away from me when I was trying to work it out with her and I heard a door lock and I was like, oh, F no. <laughs> Did she just lock? I heard two doors locked. I was like, I think she just locked my bedroom door and my bathroom door, which in my bathroom, there's expensive skincare products and bleach. And like, I'm just picturing her upstairs, like opening the bleach and drinking it. Like my mind just went there to like worst case scenario, freaking out. And I was just triggered that I was trying to as patiently as possible repair connection help her regulate and I just felt rejected that she just ran off stormed off and then went into my room locked herself in so it was like all of this fast elevated triggered energy in me and so I ran up those stairs like stomping with urgency like busted through my locked bedroom door and then saw that the bathroom was indeed yes locked she locked herself in there so in pure panic and pure frustration I started banging on that door and screaming at the top of my lungs Anna open the door right now I'm talking loud enough that my neighbors have could probably have heard me. It was that loud and I banged so hard that I literally put a hole in my door. Never done that in my life. I literally had a bruise on my hand for about a week from banging so hard on that door. And you know what I could have done if I was regulated? I could have gotten a little bobby pin, popped the door, you know, unlocked it and made sure she was safe. But I was that out of regulation and it was also during a time when I recorded an episode, I think three weeks back now, it was like I was going through a lot personally. There was a massive big T trauma news that I heard in my family that I it just sent me into a dysregulated place. So like I knew why I was acting and responding in a way that was more intense than maybe would have happened a week before, but still I wasn't acting out of a good place. Yeah. I just, she unlocked the door. I don't remember honestly what happened next. I think I grabbed her and hugged her so tight and was like trying to be loving, but I was just angry as hell. And kids, that's all they feel. They don't hear the words coming out of your mouth. They feel the energy. And so she was terrified. I was terrified. 
we spent like the next maybe 45 minutes just repairing and me trying to calm down. But I felt so much shame that I had gotten to a point like that where I was like that, you know, aggressive, that out of control. I'd never felt that out of control with my body, especially toward my daughter in my life. And every time I walk by that bathroom now, it's gotten a little better since when I see that little, that little hole in the door, I was like, oh my God, I did that. Like, that's a reminder of how unregulated I was. And then that week when I had the bruise on my hand, I mean, it was tender and it hurt and uh, it hurt to like write and stuff like that. It was just this constant reminder. And it was really a strong magnetic pull to just go into the shame storm with that. And so I'm grateful as hell, because a lot of the tools that I have learned is how to meet yourself with radical compassion and self-acceptance in that moment first so that you can then offer it to your child. And I was able to put my hand over my heart, literally hug myself while hugging her, while trying to calm myself, while trying to calm her. It's just, it's messy guys. And, but I'm grateful. Um, I'm grateful that I was able to offer that to myself. I'm grateful. I texted my best friend, Courtney. I told her immediately what happened, just got really real. and was like, girl, like this is what just happened. And her response was just massive empathy and reminding me, oh my God, anyone going through what you're going through, even outside of parenting this week, plus that happening would have, it's understandable. And anyone would have easily acted in that same way. And so it was just like adding on the radical compassion and acceptance that I needed to dissolve the shame that helped me and Anna work through that and repair. And we've talked about it multiple times since, and we've committed to each other. Yeah, that's not how we treat each other. And I'm so sorry that mommy acted that way. That was not your fault. That was my fault. And we don't hurt each other with our words. We don't hurt each other with our hands. And so that was, that was quite the epic moment for me, but we've all got our moments. And I only share that even as I'm like getting hot right now, like literally this makes me feel so exposed to put this out there. But I just know when I shared this with my client group, how healing it was for so many of my clients. And so the only reason I'm sharing is if this can dissolve shame for anyone else out there who can relate even a little bit. And if you can't, I'm so happy that you can't relate to this. If you are the gentle mom and you don't get angry and triggered to that level, I just want to give you a huge hug and just say, continue going. That's amazing. But I do find that this is very collective, more common than is talked about because there's so much shame in speaking about it. So that's the monster mom moments. The last Number three, the things that's really hard to talk about is the impossible balancing act. For me, it was my years of hyperachieving to the neglect of my kids. When I was going through trauma, hell in my marriage, and we were separating, the more we went through, me and Sebastian, I just achieved more in my previous career and just busied myself with work. It was the one area where I felt successful. I didn't feel successful in my marriage. I didn't feel successful in parenting. And so this was an area where I felt like I have some sense of control and I'm doing well at this. I remember asking Ollie how his summer was and his comment was, the worst part of summer was you working instead of playing with me. 
And it was just a dagger to the heart. You know, it was just like, I knew I was out of alignment with my values, my values of being present and being connected to my kids. And I so wasn't, but I didn't know how to hop off that train. I think of COVID, right? COVID was nuts. The pandemic, so many moms are still caught in PTSD from the drive-by assault of a pandemic that consisted of pivoting to online learning and personal and globally felt anxiety and sourdough bread and moms drinking like never before and an invisible threat to our health and George Floyd's final cry heard around the world and vaccine politics, fracturing families, all of this happening. Meanwhile, in the exact moment you're holding all of this energetically and mentally, even if it's not conscious, you're trying to parent, which is triggering even when all the climate conditions are perfectly calm. So this became this dumpster fire of an environment that sent so many moms off the edge. The idea of self-care alone felt insulting when we were all trapped under the same roof, holding the world on our shoulders, like Luisa from Encanto, if you know that reference. Some of us have not cleared that from our bodies still. We're still carrying so much. Our energy is still out of alignment, and we don't even realize that the reason we're so reactive with our kids now is literally a PTSD response from that living nightmare which lasted years and felt like a drive-by two-second, like what just happened, okay? So all of these are the hard things that I find collectively moms have trouble talking about without going into a shame storm. This is kind of the bad news. And I do talk about it because it's the best way I know how to play my part in dissolving this global epidemic of shame. Brene Brown said it so well when she said, if you put shame in a Petri dish, it needs three ingredients to grow exponentially. One is secrecy, two is silence, and three is judgment. If you put the same amount of shame in the Petri dish and douse it with empathy, it cannot survive. This is where I thank God for, yeah, my best friend Courtney, like I said, she was on podcast episode 23, if you want to hear her story. But whenever I've completely blown it on my kids and the monster mom does come out, she's who I text radical acceptance and unbelievable compassion every time zero judgment from her not even a hint because she knows who I am she knows how much I love 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 my kids and she sees my good moments and points them out when I don't even see them she reminds me of the gold rather than punishing my not self the Becky that's acting out of dysregulation So I want to leave you with three super practical tools as we wrap up that have changed the game for me and motherhood. And if you are a mom, I'm giving you three free power tools today. I'm not talking about dinky little wrenches. I'm talking about like we're serving you a chainsaw level pair of tools today. Collection of tools. Okay, so one. So this is for the mother wound of disconnection. The disconnection we talked about with our kids. The first place to look in disconnection is how connected we feel to ourselves. T-tapping. If you've never heard of this, it's tapping on different meridian points of your body that are used by acupuncturists to help blocked energy and, you know, energy flow more aligned in your body. EFT tapping is tapping on those same points. And it's super powerful. It's a way that I can reconnect 
with myself and it's easy enough for my kids to learn. I pass it on to Ollie at bedtime because Ollie has had nightmares and he just, he has his own just separation anxiety when it comes to bed. And the first time I taught him EFT tapping, he started having his first successful nights of no nightmares. He woke up the next day and was like, mom, I didn't have nightmares. And so what this looks like is you can, you can Google EFT tapping points and it'll show you like what points of your body to tap on, but it's while you're tapping, affirming what struggles like you're feeling, but then also affirming where you'd like to be. So for example, I would start by having Ollie tap above his eyebrows And I would have him put the struggle in past tense as if that's no longer my reality. That's no longer my present reality. This is a thing of the past. And so it would sound like this at first. Ollie would be like, I have for years had nightmares uh, and it made me feel bad. For years I've had nightmares and it's made me feel bad. For years I've had nightmares and it's made me feel bad. And then I'd have him tap on his temples and say, but now I'm learning sleep is safe and I have sweet dreams. But now I'm learning sleep is safe and I'm having sweet dreams. But now I'm learning sleep is safe and I'm having sweet dreams. And you can make up your own. And if you need guidance, just send me a DM. I have a whole tapping script you can use for yourself or your kids. But you get to literally, the studies on EFT tapping are phenomenal. They're mind-blowing on how the difference between lasting breakthrough and longevity of transformation is compared to just like traditional talk therapy or talking it out. And so it's amazing because for years, I feel like I've just tried verbally to convince Ollie that he's safe and that he's okay. And it's like, it goes in one ear out the other. And then I bring in the nervous system, the EFT tapping, like bringing in the body. And what do you know? Like he's had drastic breakthrough with this and like way more nights now of good dreams that he shares with us and feeling safe when he goes to bed. And so somatic work is cool because it's powerful for us, but it's easy enough for our kids to understand as well. The second, okay, for the second mother wound of monster momhood, right? The tool is to just close the loop. And my good friend, Lauren Dry, she did an episode early on. uh, I'll link it in the show notes too, on the repair time machine for little kids. So an example of this is like, I didn't do this with my... um, my example with Anna that I gave at the beginning of this podcast, but what it would look like if I had used this is, oh my gosh, Anna, I just blew it big time. Can we hop in the time machine? Do you think we could go hop in the time machine and go back in time and redo that whole thing? Are you okay? Can we try that? And so kids won't always, and that's okay. You can make, save it for another time or just play with this. And maybe this isn't like, the end all be all, you know, tool for your specific kid, but it has worked so well for me and so many moms that have used it. And so what you do is you can incorporate play, which turns on the part of a child's brain and adults that is open to receiving new information and thinking logically and getting you out of that fight flight response. And so incorporating play can be powerful. So it might look like this, like, okay, let's hop in, buckle up, let's take off. We're going back in time, back in time, back in time. And then we would act it out. We would be like, okay, let's try that again. So we started on the couch and you got frustrated and this is what mama said. And then you ran off. What could we do differently this time? 
And we might, you know, act out like Anna saying, mama, I feel so frustrated. Can you help me? That's uh, a word that we've given her to practice in times where she's getting really elevated and it has really helped. And so I'll remind her when I start to see her getting triggered. Oh, Anna, remember, what are we saying? So she'll be like, I feel angry. Can you help me? And it didn't work right away. It took a lot of practice and kind of repping it out before she was able to say that for herself in the moment. But now she knows to say it. And so we would replay the whole thing. And then I would be like, yeah, I can help you. Come on, let's dance or let's shake it out or let's get our angries out of our system. And here, punch this pillow or shout real loud and just any way to help her get energy, move energy out so it's not stuck in her little body. And you can reenact the whole situation and just say at the end, like, oh, that was so much better. I'm so glad we redid that because mama blew it the first time. I'm so sorry. Did this one feel better? How does this feel in your body? She might be like, yeah, this feels better. And you can hug and just move on if she, if you feel like it's repaired and completed. So the repair time machine is huge for monster mom moments. It's been a game changer. You don't have to live in fear of like, oh no, what if I lose it on my kids? You do your best to calm your nervous system and design your life in a way that's going to support your nervous system. But inevitably, we're all going to have those moments. So praise God for the repair time machine when that comes. <gasps> when you have older kids, you know, <laughs> I mean, maybe some teens and um, young adult men might be open to that. I joked about that when Lauren first taught me this trick. I was like, can I do the time machine with my husband? But for that, it just may be a conversation of like, oh my God, I blew it. it. Could I please redo that? This is what I would say in retrospect. Thank you so much for your patience as I got really dysregulated there. And that was not, did not feel good at all for me. And so this is what I would have done different. Okay, so the third one for the last mother wound of this impossible balancing act is we try to be mommy martyrs, don't we? And society doesn't help. We're conditioned to think that we're supposed to carry it all and we hold so much in. And my tip is just to set boundaries. So an example of this might be this summer, I remember we went to the pool, but you can use this for like if you're working from home too and you're kids are there, but just prepping them that, hey, mommy's just going to chill today while you swim. Let them know something like, I know I normally come in the pool with you, but today mama just needs to sit down for a little bit. So I'm going to hang out here while you guys swim. Then I promise when we get back, we'll snuggle and watch a movie. So what are you doing here? You're recognizing the norm that normally you get in the pool with them and you always swim with them and play their games, but you're giving them a heads up for the change of pattern, which kids need. Our nervous systems all react when there's a change in pattern and we're like, ah, what's happening? This is different. And you're also giving them a connection time to look forward to. So they're not thinking mommy's never going to connect with me again. Kids just want connection. And when we can reassure them that even when we can't connect with them in the moment, they always want it. It just, it might take a little time before we do it later this evening or whenever, but letting them know it's coming. And it just takes honest communication and practice. When I started practicing setting better boundaries and just not feeling like I need to do everything and answer every demand and all of that, I would record myself with the kids and send my friend Lauren videos. Lauren Dry, she's the parenting expert, uses the nervous system to help moms. 
And so I'd send it to her and be like, how'd I do? And then the real flex is offering yourself radical self-compassion when this doesn't work at all. Like I once heard it said that great parenting lies somewhere between don't do that and ah, what the hell? So it's all about balance and knowing it's never going to go as 100% planned as we do in our mind, but we can increase at least the times that it does go right when we practice and get conscious to how we're acting and getting help and support when we need it. This also boundaries might come in at bedtime for a lot of moms who have younger kids. So this might sound like mommy's so tired today. I am doing my best, but this bedtime story is going to be shorter than normal tonight. I got to get my sleep so I don't get sick. And then they might say something like, and this has happened with my kids, oh, that was the shortest story ever. And then I might respond with, I know, buddy, remember mommy's doing her best today and I'm so tired. I got to get some sleep so I don't get sick. And where we make the mistake sometimes is trying to convince them in these moments. If your kids are like mine, they're not going to be happy with it. They're not going to be happy with the boundary. And then just being able to stand in that and know that is empowering for you as the mom in that position. And then what I've also tried kind of is the last card in these moments is saying something like, I know, buddy, when you go to sleep early, you can wake up early and then we can have a little date before school tomorrow. Would you like that? So what you're doing here is you're being honest. You have limitations. This is teaching them that it's okay to be tired and set boundaries um, which is huge. You're going to want your kids to be able to do that someday. It's teaching them to grow up and do this for themselves and not pour out endlessly when they have nothing left to give. And you're also giving them a connection time to look forward to. So they're not thinking mommy's never going to connect with me again. Again, the bonus for this is to cut yourself a break and remind yourself every single day that you're doing your best. You don't have to be a Pinterest mom. You don't, you know, you can be more the Amazon Prime mom and the Instacart mom and still be a damn good freaking mother. So in summary, y'all, we all have different journeys and I wish we were all sitting around a campfire right now so I could just hear your stories too of messy motherhood moments and true confessions and how insanely in love you are with your kids no matter what mess and brokenness comes with the package of your reality because that's real. We've all got a mix of it all and it all looks different. Motherhood looks different for all of us. It's the pleasant, the unpleasant, the most insane love we've we've ever felt and the most unbearable heartache we wouldn't wish on our worst enemies. So whether you're a type A mom, a crunchy mom, a single mom, a co-parent, an adoptive mom, a foster mom or dog mom, I don't care. I hope today served you as a reminder that continues to pop up in your mind for years to come that you are a damn good mother. And it's as normal as the wind blows that you would question that. But in that questioning, allow the quiet yet powerful medicine of curiosity and compassion to creep into that space, to allow you to swim and explore what's actually true, to move from that survival nervous system into that safety system. So you can tap into creativity and connection in your journey of motherhood. And if your kids are near you, or even just a text away, let your one action step today just to be letting them know that you love them in whatever way makes sense and feels right for you. I love you all. Hope this supported you. Have a great week and I'll talk to you next Friday. Ah, 
I'm honored you found today's episode worth your listen and time to hang out with me today. For some of us, this podcast is just the thing you need to support you towards your breakthrough. But for others, we know we need a deeper level of support and guidance. So if you're a highly ambitious woman who's ready to repair deep, unshakable connection in your marriage, I'd love to tell you about my client coaching program called Root to Rise. This is the life-changing transformational container that will teach you exactly how to launch your marriage to the next level by moving trauma out of your body and stepping back into your power. Even if you've already tried everything, even if you're caught on the fence of should I stay or should I go, and even if your husband's not on board today. So look for my link in the show notes to book a call with me and we'll just talk about what's working, what's not, where you want to go. And very easily, I'll be able to tell you if and how I can help you. And if not me, I can still point you in the direction of some resources that can. So either way, tons of clarity. We'll have some fun getting to know each other while we're at it. And that's it for today. Huge hugs, my friend. I'll chat with you next Friday.